Please rise for their majesties of Royally Obsessed, the podcast for all things royals. Three cheers for His Majesty the King. Welcome back to Royally Obsessed podcast. I'm your co-host, Roberta. I'm Rachel. And if you don't already, please follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. Email us info at gallerypodcast.com. We have another wonderful review. We love, love, love seeing those four and five star reviews. Keep them coming. I think this is like the third week in a row where we have been so flattered by those. So, Rachel, what is on tap for today? Well, you and I know it's kind of the doldrums of royal summer. The Waleses are off the grid. The Sussexes, as we always say, are everywhere but nowhere, as they said, I guess, at one point. But in terms of the Sussexes, we have some recent appearances to discuss from Montecito to Tokyo. We're also joined by William Hansen, royal etiquette advisor for Red, White, and Royal Blue, which is available to watch exclusively on Amazon Prime tomorrow and is based on the best-selling book by Casey McQuiston. That conversation is coming up. We've got another royal birthday, some tidbits about Diana's second wedding dress, Granny Camilla. Did I get you excited, everyone listening, and Roberta? (laughs) Yes, because our conversation with William was so much fun, and I feel like a lot of our audience is probably familiar with the book Red, White, and Royal Blue, so they'll love that conversation. It's the perfect palette cleanser, too, for the royals being off the grid. I feel like this is the movie we all need in this kind of window of time. Yeah, it's I mean, it's not like our favorite royal movie ever, but it definitely is one of the most fun for this time of year when it's a little bit quiet. And now it's time for the weekly royal cocktail. All right, before we get into all that, though, we need to talk about what we're sipping. I am going to say I dropped the ball. I'm sipping iced coffee because it is an early morning. We recorded with William earlier this morning because they are five hours ahead in London. Rachel, I'm sorry. It's okay. It's okay. I'm similar circumstances here. I had a water, which is so not exciting (laughs) for the Royal Refreshment. Summer hydration. This evening, I am heading out with some a lovely group of women, and I have already scoped the menu, and I'm getting a damn good margarita at Yellow Rose on the <gasps> Upper West Side or somewhere in the city. I don't even know. I ha- I will map it later, but oh, I'm excited. I'm so excited for you. That's going to be fun. I had a I went to a Peruvian restaurant on Saturday, and I had a pisco sour, so that was delicious. And that is our royal refreshment. For oh, I love week. it. I love it. But you're doing well. How's your week going? You're in Florida. I'm visiting family in Florida, which is really nice, although it's way too hot. I'm excited to be back in Philadelphia and just a tiny bit cooler up there. Um, But doing good. How are you? I'm good. I feel like the week has been pretty same old, same old. I did have sort of a royal moment with Finn where we've been reading the full extended Winnie the Pooh, the entire like 300 plus page book. And we finished it this week (gasps) and it made me go and pull up that clip of Winnie the Pooh at the coronation. Remember where he's like knocking on the palace doors and it's like the little balloon that says the coronation. But Finn loved Winnie the Pooh. It was just, I feel like the last few chapters, I didn't remember how like emotional and philosophical Winnie the Pooh gets. I was really, I started crying at that Uh. last chapter and I don't know what to read next. I feel like you're such a, a bookworm if you have any ideas. I'm thinking Paddington, to be honest. Oh, yeah, that's good. I was thinking that when you said the um, coronation thing. I was thinking that. Like the series the where it's yeah. like read aloud and more, you know, chapter. But anyways, if anyone has any recommendations, I'm all I'm all ears. 
Yeah, send us in. All right. We have a wonderful listener email from Randy from Kansas who wrote us to say, hello, I love listening and just wanted to address those Singapore comments you've been dropping. I had the privilege of visiting Singapore in 2017. It wasn't a place on my list of places I've always wished to go, but I can't overstate what an amazing trip it was. Singapore is clean, so clean you can eat off the floors of the subway. And when it rains, facilities personnel are dispatched to vacuum up the puddles to reduce the likelihood of disease carrying mosquitoes it's safe we saw six-year-olds alone on the subway and women leaving their purses in public places and it has almost no traffic seriously it's like what new york could be a hundred years down the road i would go back in a heartbeat i don't wonder why it's the host of the next earth shot singapore is doing so many things right i hope you guys can go I mean, wow. we have to what book our pitch. tickets now. Should we? Go? <laughs> I'm about to go on Delta.com. Like, Wait, they vacuum up the puddles? I need video content of this. That sounds insane and amazing. Amazing. Like, what an effort. Earthshot is coming up really quickly. Yes, there's a countdown clock on their website, which I didn't realize. Mm. I, this inspired me, compelled me, rather, to go and check out the latest. And there's lovely pics of Singapore. November 7th, I had December in my head, like, just etched from last year, I think. But it really is, I mean... Not that far. The countdown clock says 90 days. Well, 89 days and 11 hours. So <laughs> it's going to fly by. <laughs> we'll just like pin that to our desktop. Yes. desktop. Uh, thank you so much, Randy, for writing in. And now, this week in royal history. All right. This week in royal history, we're moving right along. We are flashing back to something super fun. I was telling Roberta earlier that I had the best time digging into this, which I wasn't as familiar with. But basically, Diana and Charles and their Spanish summers in the 80s. Before they went to Balmoral on the regular, the Waleses had an August destination of choice. They went to Mallorca. I've been to Majorca, Roberta, and it is so amazing. Right before you the have? pandemic. Yes. Uh, in the fall of 2019. I had no idea when I was there, the Diana parallels. I don't know how. I obviously am familiar with the photos that I'm about to talk about. Just didn't know the history to the degree. When you were there, was the Diana parallel obvious? Like, is there no. like tributes to her or like? Not at all. Not at all. I think at the hotel she once stayed at, there are, but I'll get into that. So they loved Mallorca so much. They visited in August 1986, 1987, 1988, and 1990, with Diana returning again post-divorce. She apparently also went there regularly throughout her childhood. I think it's a favorite island for Brits in general, but this was something that had a special place in the Wales's heart back then. During their visits, they were guests of the Spanish royal family, and they mainly stayed at the Maravent Palace, which I also had to research, was built in the 1920s, and it's the summer home of the Spanish royals. If you are visiting Mallorca, you can go. The gardens are public as long as the royal family is not staying there. This is what kind of blew me away. Again, I feel like I should have known this, but Mallorca has gifted us our most treasured royal family picks when you look back in time. If you want to click some of these links, Roberta, baby Harry in 1986. He was just a couple years old. This is when you saw they were all on the steps of Maravent Palace. Diana in that sort of one-shouldered striped dress with the tie. I love that dress. Like, I mean, just absolutely adorable. I don't know who the designer is on that, but it's really striking. We need to look that up. I love those pictures. There was a there's also a German shepherd in one of those pictures. I remember. Yes, Harry is playing with a gorgeous dog. 
flash forward to 1987, Diana's banana yellow jumpsuit. And this <laughs> is also where we have those images that I hope are framed on Harry's walls in Montecito of him and his mom. He's wearing that little kind of overall Aww. set with the shorts and the red shirt. And of course, William is there too, but they're really lovey photos of Diana and Harry all in Mallorca. With their faces touching together. That's such a classic photo of them together. We also saw many a Diana bikini. They, you know, obviously these shots back then are not, (laughs) you know, (laughs) posed for the cameras or anything. These are the the paparazzi ones. They are on Getty. Uh, But in 88, she had a bikini. 90, 1990, she was in uh, a red, very like kind of slinky one. Lots Mm -hmm. of yacht chic from Diana in Mallorca. What was fascinating when I read more, too, Roberta, is that this is also where the divergence happened between Charles and Diana. It was very apparent, their age difference. Diana preferred to be on the water, on jet skis, swimming with the boys. Charles really wanted to be painting watercolors. But Diana was in her late 20s when they were spending a lot of time there. There's also this 1990 pic. I'm sorry. We're going to post all these on Instagram. We have to because they're so good. Of the family on a yacht, they were taking in a regatta. But this is just... Diana's in blue shorts and a patterned t-shirt. And it honestly is like, this is every family USA or around the world, right? It's like touristy. The t-shirt has like giant stars on it with like shooting star streaks. It's very, it's just like so not fashion-y, which is really funny. This looks like your everyday tourists on vacay. And you also see when they were in Mallorca, this was 1990 again, Charles had his arm in a sling because this was after that polo fall in 1990. I think that this tidbit stood out to me the most was that after Diana got divorced in 1996, she returned to Mallorca for a few days. And the controversy that was, uh, not controversy, I guess, but just a lot of the coverage was about how she actually never left the hotel. And it was a rumor that she would be there, but then the rumor actually came true. And that's what a lot of the Mallorca newspapers commentated on was that they would get a lot of royal rumors about sightings and things like that all the time. But this one came to fruition. There are, of course, those long lens shots of the since Diana never left the hotel of her swimming in the pool that are very uncomfortable. I mean, you can't there. Those are not on Getty. Um, The hotel she stayed at was owned by Richard Branson. So I imagine it was a getaway. But there were there was also chatter that she was had an intention to buy a home on Mallorca just interesting. I mean, The Crown season six has also been filming there. Mm, We've seen what they believe the scenes will see are, it's not where these moments actually took place, because I think it was the south of France where Diana spent time those last few weeks with Dodie. But they use Mallorca for some of those yachting scenes. Also, the scene when Diana visited Sarajevo was filmed on Mallorca for season six. I did also some sleuthing, Roberta. It looks like season six of The Crown's release may be delayed because of the strikes no yeah it is targeting the fall probably november december as typical but it sounds like the strikes may impact that womp womp i think we're not gonna see it till next year then yeah i just feel like that's so soon yeah i totally agree days away yeah (laughs) it's november yes we now Uh, know thanks to that countdown clock anyways like i said i'm talking in too much detail here but i really enjoyed reading about their mallorca adventures it made me really want to go back and also kind of kick myself that i was not as familiar with the diana and the Wales's history when i visited in 2019 i had no idea that this was it reminds me of the queen in malta how much she loved malta i think that that's like the parallel for me that comes up right away yeah i love that it's the backdrop for so many of their like i think they used it for mystique in the crown it's like they they love it as a set 
One last honorable mention for history while we're on the subject. Happy birthday, Princess Anne. She's turning 72 on August 15th. I was kind of thinking about this, Roberta, that we wouldn't it be great if we had more Anne and Charles engagements together? Oh, like, yeah. I feel like that would be a pairing that they could experiment with. Did they do with. a lot of engagements together? No, I mean, I feel like that's the thing. They don't really pop up too often at the same thing. I just was looking yeah. through pics of how adorable they were in their youth together and young. Oh, and- them as teenagers together is really sweet, too. Mm-hmm. I feel like that's like... Well, you know how they were experimenting with, like, Sophie and William as a pairing? Like, that we yeah. saw earlier in the year. Like, I don't know. We need to dabble with some new combinations, royal family, if you're listening. The brother and sister quips would be so funny because we both know their humor is like very, I feel like Anne is like very dry humor. Yes. Charles just is hilarious. So, oh, good idea. All right. Well, happy birthday, Princess Anne. And thank you for taking us on that vacation. Yeah. Thank you for indulging me, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) We will post these pics on Instagram. I will ask our team to because they are just so precious and wonderful. And you need to see Diana in those blue shorts. Yes. It's a perfect summer this week in royal history. All right, moving on to a grab bag of the Sussex updates. I want to run through the first few really quickly because I want to spend the most time on this movie adaptation of a novel. What is going on there? So we last recorded right before Megan's birthday. So we got wind from page six that for her birthday celebration, she was spotted at the Barbie movie with girlfriends. She went with Portia de Rossi and some other people. They also stopped at a hotel after she wished Megan wished good luck to the bride and took pictures with a bachelorette party while there. I haven't been able to find those pictures or there's a video supposedly i would love to see that if someone has it that's incredible imagine megan dropping by your bachelorette party i mean amazing and getting a good luck from her for your wedding she also went to dinner with prince harry at trey loon and some friends heather dorak and her husband heather reminder was in that harry and megan doc on netflix that striped dress we saw her pop up in i love that by the brand Posse, the label. I don't know if I'm saying that right. It might be just Posse and a cult guy clutch. A great birthday outfit, although they were supposedly spending the actual day, which was Friday, at home with the kids. So I couldn't help but look at the Treloon menu, which Roberta mm. knows my must order is Cacioe Pepe, which is very prominently on there. And I was like, oh, if I ever get to go to Treloon with you, <laughs> with I hope I will absolutely. You, I, I already know. know what I'm getting. <laughs> Looks oh very nice. Gosh. Yum. We're both getting it. I messed up and didn't get it last time. All right. The biggest, I feel like the biggest Megan birthday news was actually that this at Megan Instagram handle is, it's her handle. So page six came out with the report that her, now that she's signed with WME, her ambitions on Instagram are in full force. The handle since that report has grown from 2000 followers to over 56,000. I actually haven't checked recently. Let me check. It's crazy. We called this in February. Yes. I love that the Roros are pointing that out on page six's post because we got a comment that said, you called this months ago. One of the stories said fans are waiting with bated breath for the first post. I mean, that can't be more true. I check it every day. Does that make me a it's little like bit crazy? She wakes up, she has like a coffee, checks at Megan on Instagram. I mean, what's the first post going to be? And it's funny because I really think that this is still a little bit speculation. Like oh, nobody knows for sure, but page six seems to have it confirmed. So who knows? But it's fascinating. And I love seeing the growth. Has it grown from 56K? And it's almost to 57. So wow. And a lot of our mutual friends are following it too. So the support, I love that. Yeah. <laughs> 
We also saw Prince Harry pop up this week in Japan. He touched down in Tokyo yesterday wearing an Archwell baseball cap, rubbing the brand. He was there with his friend Nacho Figueres for the philanthropy-focused ISPS Sports Value Summit. He talked on camera a little bit uh, during that, so here's a clip from that. I've been involved in many charities for mm. most of my life. Mm. Um, and I get a huge amount yeah. of fulfillment giving back to as many people as possible. My life is mm. charity, always has been, always will be. He also talks about his love for Japanese culture. He had a Kobe steak for dinner and lunch, he said. <laughs> <laughs> I love when they share what they ate. I don't know why. That's like a very No, I want to know. Royal. I definitely want to know. There was also this fan at the airport. If you click that picture, how cute is she holding a picture of Princess Diana with baby Harry? Oh, there the was royal... a huge fan turnout, right? Oh, there's a huge fan turnout. Omid Scobie, the biographer of Finding Freedom, we all know, he said that Japan is one of the places that just went wild for Princess Diana, and that carries on into her sons, obviously, and Aww, their families. So. I love that. We'll see him this weekend, right? We'll see him this weekend in Singapore. He's going to be participating in the polo cup so that'll be really interesting and this little tidbit bubbled up yesterday too that the royal family removed harry's hrh from his royal title on the official website of the royal family it's now just prince harry duke of sussex i think this was a long time coming because we know that they weren't supposed to use it in any official capacity when they exited the royal family but it is really interesting the timing of it it feels like whenever the Sussexes have something scheduled to pop up, that these things sort of happen in tandem, just as a reminder. Yeah, that's And I don't know. It makes me feel kind of, it's like, what What will they do? I don't know. I, it just, it feels a little bit kind of. Um, no, I think, though, I will say that I was reading more coverage on this, that it does sound like there was a tabloid report that called out that there were two mentions that they forgot. And then the, oh. and then the palace also said, like, it's still on different places on the website, says that Queen Elizabeth is still the monarch. So it sounds I like saw that. they are not super um, expedient about website changes. Like, they no, kind of have, like, a all. defense. Like, they have thousands and thousands of pages and they can't do it overnight. And But it is kind of funny. I agree with you. That's interesting that it is so timed to when you see a public appearance. Yeah, I think the tablet called it out on like a Tuesday and by Wednesday they had removed them or something. It's like someone is reading the sun or the mirror or whatever. And they don't and move checking. swiftly, but then suddenly they no. move super swiftly. Yeah, it's interesting. All right, but this is what I really want to talk to you about. We don't have to spend a lot of time on it, but just the movie news that broke this week. Author Carly Fortune confirmed The Sun's scoop that her novel called Meet Me at the Lake will be Archwell's first film adaptation for Netflix. So just a, I haven't read the book. I haven't either, but it's in my Amazon cart now. I need to get it. I'm super curious because a number of friends said that they already were reading it this summer, separate from this news, and that it's supposed to be very good. I texted all my friends about it, and a lot of them have read her other book, Every Sum- Summer After, I believe it's called, by Carly Fortune, and loved it. And they said they wanted to read this. It was on their list. So the book follows a young woman, Fern Brookbanks. Does that sound familiar? I was like, Ooh, oh, Jack. The hello. first royal parallel. Yeah. <laughs> Whose mother died in a car accident, another royal parallel. They meet for 24 hours, and then 10 years later, they meet again. She runs her mom's lake resort outside of Toronto. Ding, another ding, parallel ding. There. Wow. According to a source, the themes of the book gripped the couple. That's a quote. The book came out in May of this year, so it's relatively new. It spent two weeks on the New York Times bestseller. It's got a 3.7 on Goodreads and a 4.1 on Amazon. So it's not, you know, 
four five stars, but it does sound pretty good. And I think her other book really wowed people. So I want to discuss this with you. One, do you think Harry's read the book? Because this is such chiclet, which no, I mean, I love like that's one of my favorite genres. I'm not knocking it at all. But do you think Harry's read it? I mean, I would think he has to have read the book. I, I wouldn't think that he would just make this big foray into this with Megan without making this choice, without having read the work. If I asked Dave to read this book, he would say no. <laughs> he only reads nonfiction, though. So that's like, that's a, yeah. kind of an interesting, yeah. He's like very history nerd and all of that. Yeah. Matt is so. a huge reader. I feel like he reads things that I'm always like, ah, like there was some, I can't even remember the book now, but I was like, I feel like I should read that before you, like he he's reading, um, what is it? Lessons in Chemistry. Is that the one right oh, now? He's reading that right now. <laughs> that's on my list too. Well, uh, him and my mom swap book recommendations and, oh. and. Uh, he's he takes it very seriously, and yeah, he's I he's been like a Matt reader since I met him. At the lake. <laughs> yes, I feel like he's probably also got it in the cart. He's like, oh, I think I put it there. <laughs> My other question for you, Rachel, is just: Do you think this is a weird step for the couple? I really can't decide because of all the hints dropped. We know that Megan was interested in rom coms for a long time. I always think back to those Valentine's Day photos with the Notting Hill kind of undertones, overtones, I should say, her laying on a bench in Harry's lap. What do you think about this, this move for them? So they're producing it, right? They're producing it. And she's definitely not (laughs) acting in it, is what I read. So I feel like this feels like something that they perhaps will really excel at because of how much Megan loves it and knows the uh, sort of the genre really well. So I'm I don't know. I have some high hopes, but I do feel like, again, it, you know, it's it's a huge undertaking and it sounds like there was a bidding war for this book as well. So what are your thoughts? I mean, we just heard that quote from Harry at that ISPS summit about how charity is his whole life. And then you have this kind of really random choice for Archwell. I guess Archwell Productions is separate from their Archwell Foundation, but just to me doesn't really follow in line with what I thought their post-royal goals were. I think, you know, we're content creators. I love I love content. I think it's amazing. I, I'm going to read the book. I'm really excited to watch the movie. I think it'll be wonderful. I think they'll do a great job. Their love story is incredible, but I just don't know how this fits into their overall vision of what they hoped post-royal family yeah it just it to me it's just such a strange choice but i will be cheering them on the whole way yes yes (laughs) i feel like it's a very very going hollywood full tilt and yes it is kind of that curiosity of where it all kind of dovetails or are they just kind of experimenting right now yeah i mean i think too like these movies these novels to movie adaptations are doing so well right now like i watched jennifer garner in the last thing he told me on apple tv some of these novels it's just like you fly through them in two days and it's i feel like this is one of them and so i think that that's Mm -hmm. it's it's a really smart choice financially for them i think it'll do really well their netflix deal it's reportedly 100 million this this uh script was optioned for i think over three million for them And there is a connection to Penguin Random House. So Carly Fortune is published by that house, which is also where Spare was published. So if that was how they got the deal, who knows? That was kind of the insinuation by the sun. But yeah, you're right, though. It is it is a little bit of a head scratcher in terms of their overarching brand. Okay, moving on. 
Another movie that we should talk about, Red, White, and Royal Blue. Here is our conversation with etiquette expert William Hansen. All right, Roros, we're joined by William Hansen. He's the Royal Etiquette Advisor on Red, White, and Royal Blue and is widely regarded as one of Britain's most trusted authorities on royal behavior. He's director of the English Manor, a leading UK etiquette training institute founded by a former member of the royal household of Queen Elizabeth II. Welcome, William. We're so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. It's a delight to talk to you both. So talk to us about the film Red, White and Royal Blue. How would you describe your involvement with it? Well, I can remember when the initial email came in and I was sitting in the chair that I'm sitting in now to talk to you in London. And my now husband, although he was my boyfriend at the time, was sitting to my right and he had read the book and he loved the book. He also loved The Inheritance, which was uh, Matthew Lopez, the director of this film's play in the West End and then transferred to Broadway. And the email came through, red, white and royal blue, would I like to go and meet with Matthew to discuss potentially working on the film? And before I went, oh, look at this email. And I was told, I don't care if you have to pay them, you're doing it. (laughs) I love that. So I said, okay, fine. So I wrote back to my agent with, fine, yes, I'll meet uh, if I'd like to still marry my my now husband. So that's, (laughs) that's how it started. Uh, and he was very, very excited. But I, I personally hadn't read the book, um, so I came to this completely fresh. And actually, I'm going to, probably in the next couple of weeks, I am going to read the book, but I'm glad I haven't read the book before the film because obviously, although they're very similar, there are some changes. Uh, and I wanted to make sure I was sort of aligned completely with what Matthew had for the film version rather than the, the book. So what was your day-to-day involvement? Were you consulting for their, edi- I mean, how does that work? Yeah, this was a lovely one to be involved with because I was involved in pre-production as well as production. And other ones that I've been involved in before, never to this scale, have normally been production or consulting remotely whilst they're still filming, which kind of doesn't work as well as being involved. So I saw early drafts of the script and would go through bits and say, oh, I'm not sure that's quite how it would be. Actually, it would be like this, or yes, this is spot on. There was lots that, that Matthew just wanted to... Uh, check he had got right. Um, and so it was sort of just to give him some added confidence and then add some polish uh, to the royal bits. And then on set, uh, my first day on set was uh, when we were filming the Buckingham Palace interiors or part of the Buckingham Palace interiors, the cake scene, which I'm sure obviously at the start of the film and it's the it's kind of the trigger moment for the entire film. Uh, and that was a great first day to be on set because there were so many people uh, there with so many extras as well as a lot of the principal members of of the cast and just sort of adding that royal authenticity, everything from sort of coaching the extras how to sort of react to Henry as Henry walks past as a uh, as the prince or indeed Philip, the, whose wedding it is, how they would interact with them to, to working with Nick, who plays Henry, to sort of so he knows how to react to the people that are reacting to him, how a member of the royal family would react to them. Oh, that's so fun. Well, actually, that's a great segue to our next question, which, which is just, you know, we saw the film. What were the specific etiquette moments that you had to say kind of, ah, that's not how the royals would do it. <laughs> we definitely were thinking the wedding scene would probably be one where your involvement was much, much needed. 
Yes, and it, it's lots of stuff that perhaps uh, in the background may not be seen on first watch. In fact, I've only seen the film in its entirety once so far. I'm excited to watch it sort of and have a pause button. I went to a screening and sadly I couldn't shout out, please just yes. pause it uh, <laughs> for me to check. So certain things happen quite quickly for me to sort of see how it comes out. But particularly also the courtiers, the, the, the household staff that you see in Buckingham Palace or Kensington Palace later on uh, and what they are doing and the things in the background to make it less if I can say the word, sort of less Disney and slightly more real. That's no, I love Disney. That's not a slight on Disney, but just sort of making it authentic because I think that's what Matthew was particularly keen on is it, it is the fairy tale aspect of, of the story, but to, to give it that authenticity. And so any Brits or sort of royal obsessed Americans or people from other <laughs> uh, countries are not watching it and thinking, well, that actually, no, that, that wouldn't happen. That would, you know, that's not really how it is that's almost too much that's a bit sort of over royal well in one of those moments that i picked up on most was when uh prince henry is addressed by alex as your majesty often and he says no no no, it's your royal highness and rachel and i are familiar with that as royal watchers but have you had a lot of experience with royal etiquette in particular Yes, I, I've been fortunate in my career away from uh, TV and film to work with numerous different royal households around the world. Uh, I obviously can't say which ones, but uh, I have uh, titles and forms of address is almost sort of it's Royal 101. Uh, it's the entry level. And of course, each different royal household around the world does it slightly differently. But generally, the uh, as you will know, the, the common theme is that the head of state or the, the king or the queen is a majesty. I love that. Well, we wanted to ask, are there intentional Prince Harry parallels? Because (laughs) we felt like we were maybe reading into it, but there's a lot of parallels in the movie. I mean, he's a little bit of a troublemaker, older brother, tries to keep him in line. His name is Prince Henry, which is Harry's actual name, we know. He doesn't love the restrictions of the monarchy. What did you think seeing the film in the screening? Yeah, I'm, I'm sure th- there are parallels, whether they were intended or not. Certainly, obviously, it's based on the book. You would have to ask Casey McQuinston, who wrote the book. And I'm sure, yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure it was sort of fairly inspired. Obviously, it's slightly, it, in fact, it's quite different from uh, Prince Harry because uh, Prince Harry is not gay, whereas uh, Henry is. And it is, yeah, I think we know throughout our royal history that it's normally the spare that is the one or one of the spares that is slightly rebellious, either rebellious for good or rebellious for bad, depending on which spare we're looking at. Um, so, yes, it is. Um, I'm sure the, the parallels are there. And it's it's a fun <laughs> story. And I also think it's a story sort of watching it that you or, or even reading the script initially, I thought, yes, I can actually sort of see this happening or well, what happens if. And I would like to think that if a member of any Western royal family were going to come out as as gay or bisexual or or whatever that it I mean there's always going to be people that that don't like it but uh, that actually generally society would accept it but actually these sort of conversations and things that go on in the background that none of us are are privy to actually what we see on in, in red white and royal blue is probably sort of what would happen whether that's good or bad Yes, I definitely like those behind the scenes of how those conversations played out. I do feel like that felt very authentic. Mm-hmm. I was curious, were there any real life royal aficionados on set like Uma Thurman? I mean, we know Stephen Fry is, but what mm. about what did you interact with anyone in the cast? Uh, yes, I can remember when when we had Stephen Fry on set and we knew that he was going to be playing the king. And and almost, you know, when you, when you get told, because we didn't initially when I signed up, 
actually most of the film hadn't been cast, so I didn't quite know who was going to be playing what uh, or who was playing who. And then when you're told, oh, by the way, the king is is Stephen Fry. Um, it's a, well, I'll just stay home on that day, shall I? Uh, because clearly he will know exactly how to interact uh, because he is so familiar. <laughs> and there, to be honest, he didn't need much directing at all, um, certainly from my side uh, of things. Uh, we had little chats, but but he sort of knew what was what. But I was there just in case he he needed to, to ask anything. But I worked a lot with his his courtier, Tommy, that, that comes in. And I think in the script, actually, he may not have been called... Tommy, we called him Tommy sort of after Tommy Lassell's uh, in in The mm. Crown, obviously, sort of, he was embodying that, and everyone's very familiar if you watch the early series of The Crown with that character. Um, so we, we gave him that name. So interesting. Yeah, it really is fascinating. Have you worked with any real-life courtiers before? Courtiers before? Yes. Yes, no, I, I have. And um, they're, they're, not, they're not as Tommy Lassell's-esque uh, as perhaps, <laughs> I'm sure they have been in history, but now, you know, any monarchy, any, even any government uh, or a, a republic like, like America, it's a business at the end of the day. It's, it's very, mm-hmm. It may not be a commercial business necessarily with a commercial end, but it, it operates like any modern business, really. Mm-hmm. Well, speaking of the modern royals, we wanted to ask, you know, with King Charles on the throne, we have Kate and William becoming some of the bigger players. How do you see things shifting under the reign of the new monarch mm. in, as far as protocol or, you know, just in general? I think already early days, still ne- nearly a year, but I think we are seeing a slightly more relaxed monarchy. Now, that's that's ridiculous to say when you look at, you know, let's say the, the state banquet we had for South Africa in November last year, it looks pretty much more or less like a state banquet uh, that that Queen Elizabeth would have had. A couple of changes, but generally it looked the same. But but I and that that was hardly relaxed. But I think you are see, even that first time we saw the king going in around the public the day after the death of his mother, where the cameras were up much closer. Yet alone the king himself, but even the access uh, was a lot closer. And I think you are seeing a, a shift. And, you know, lots, so many, it really winds me up when, when people say, oh, could we have, they don't say it now because, because of obviously events, but could we not have skipped from Elizabeth to William and sort of skipped out Charles? Well, A, it's not American Idol. We can't just sort of pick our favourite <laughs> and off we go. That's not how a hereditary <laughs> monarchy works. Um, but but also, I think the king, who often, for some people, give, give him a bit of a bad time, I think, is is going to play a very essential role in being a, a wonderful bridge. I sometimes refer to him as a sorbet monarch between an incredibly formal court, really, of his mother, Queen Elizabeth, to a much more relaxed, more contemporary style with William, his son. And if we jump from one to the other, I think it would be too jarring. Whereas actually what we, we're going to be getting with, with the king is sort of a lovely bridge between the two, so we don't notice too much of a difference. And I think when our, you know, people who ever follow us look back at the history books, actually he's going to be judged a lot better than maybe some people judge him already. Yeah, and speaking of protocol too, I mean, that's something that's kind of become a buzzword in the media. It's, oh, they broke protocol by doing this, or, you know, Kate Middleton shook hands and that's breaking protocol, whatever it is. Is that... I mean, just your expertise. Is that real? I mean, what what are those rules? Are they as yeah, rigid the as you think? Nail polish headlines, yeah. selfies. We see it nonstop. 
Yeah, um, completely. And, and protocol is sort of used is now a bit of a dirty word, which is a great shame because actually, what protocol is, it's event management generally, um, in its in its true sense. We all know that there is no etiquette book or etiquette rule within the royal household, whether it's the British one or the Dutch one or, or whatever, telling you what colour your nail polish should be. There is a convention that conventionally it is sort of neutral or skin colour and not sort of phosphorus yellow, for example. You know, there, there is that sort of expectation, but it's not a protocol rule. It's just convention that has become adopted. And we know with certain things, Queen Elizabeth had a preference for people to wear certain colour tights or wear tights full stop or wear a hat, etc. But there was no there was no hard and fast rule. And uh, yes, it's sort of it's sort of the the slight lazy journalism of X broke protocol rule. Um, and actually it's not, it's just sort of X did something slightly different. Whether it was appropriate for X to do that is another discussion, but they didn't break a rule like breaking the law or going too fast on the motorway. Yeah, people love those stories, though. Yes. They they get so many clicks, I feel like, every time. But I like the convention replacement word. That's that's good. Yeah, and conventions change. And again, you know, the, the, the convention slash protocol of the court of George III, completely different from the court of Charles III um, and, or Elizabeth II. So uh, it, it changes and it adapts. But yes, I think the more interest, I think going into year two of the King's Reign, going back to your first question, will be the most interesting because quite a lot of the stuff, with it, as we know how the royal calendar works, it's planned at least a year in advance. So the state banquet for South Africa, for example, was, would have been planned to basically be a Queen Elizabeth state banquet. And so things, although there were tiny little changes, such as the table decoration, big changes would not have had time to happen. So actually year two onwards, I think, is where we're going to see slightly more tangible change. Will state banquets going forward be white tie, for example? I suspect they might go down to black tie, or you might mm. see it like other members of other royal households where it's white tie if it's royal family visiting royal family, but it's black tie if it's, let's say, um, Macron as the president of France visiting. So it's a sort of political head of state as opposed to royal head of state. So I think little changes like that are coming up rather than anything that we've seen. Although we have seen some changes like the, the access and, and the types of photograph. Yeah, well, that's a great segue, too, because we were curious, you know, we're approaching the one year anniversary of the death of Queen Elizabeth. You've been following the royals for years. What are you what do you have your eye on? What are you looking forward to as we approach fall for the monarchy? Mm. I think that well, the, the first state banquet, and we don't quite know who that's going to be just yet. Um, that's something I'm because I, I, I mean, I love a state banquet. They're just so beautiful. It's got food involved. It's got lovely dresses. It's got tiaras, jewels. It's got all of the sort of the key royal elements. And I think you don't want to actually strip too much of that away because otherwise then it's just sort of like, you know, going to McDonald's for dinner and it becomes less <laughs> less exciting. Um, so uh, I'm excited for that. I'm excited for uh, Christmas, sort of really the first royal Christmas without, I know we've had one, but again, very close uh, to see what happens there. Um, the title change, I mean, to be perfectly honest, I spent a lot of my life before Queen Elizabeth died talking about, you know, title changes are coming slowly. Wow, that came in quickly. Everyone's titles change. You know, the Duke and Duchess yeah. of uh, Cambridge, as they were, became the Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and Cornwall for about 12 hours, uh, and then suddenly were elevated to Prince and Princess of Wales. So if you liked change, that was terribly exciting. It happened so quickly. 
um, but there aren't really any more title changes coming up. So um, there's nothing there to look forward to. And also, well, ultimately, the big thing is, will Buckingham Palace be opened up more? Will it be at the moment, mm. it's just open during the summer and for private tours during the winter. But will it be open for a bit longer throughout the year? Will we be able to go into the Chinese dining room at the front uh, as we look at it, the, the east facade, the centre room when all the renovations are done? How will the king commercialise Buckingham Palace even more than it already is in order to, to top up the um, the royal coffers, as the, the media like to say. Yeah, it's so interesting. We're obviously very excited to follow along. And it's been a privilege to have you on the podcast. And everyone, make sure to watch Red, White, and Royal Blue is available to watch exclusively on Amazon Prime beginning Friday. William, where can everyone keep up with your work? Uh, I am on Instagram and TikTok, obviously, Ooh. who isn't. Uh, I'm William Hanson Etiquette on both of those. Amazing. Thank you, Thank you so, so much. Thank you both for having me. Love chatting with him. That was super fun. And we learned so much additional detail about etiquette. It's time for the Royal Highs and Lows. Before we adjourn the Royal Pod, our highs and lows, this isn't even really Royals related, but I'm just so sad that Team USA was knocked out of the World Cup. But I'll end on a high is that go England, the Lionesses are in the quarterfinals and it'd be so fun if the Wales had showed up in Australia or New Zealand for the finals. If England makes it, I'll be cheering them on. I know that was such a tough loss. Milo, this I, I feel like I'm yacht themed this episode, but the news that the Cujo, <laughs> which was the yacht that Dodie and Diana were pictured on in the final weeks of her life, it sank this week. It was once owned by Dodie, who ended up refurbishing it for a million pounds. It's now on the bottom of the Mediterranean. I guess it hit an unidentified object and no one was hurt. They were able to issue a mayday call. But it's just, you know, this ill-fated yacht, apparently. But it is mm. where we saw Diana and Dodie frolicking. Remember that racerback black tank, those white shorts? Stunning pics of Diana yes. way back when. All right, my high this week is that Princess Diana's wedding dress designer actually has revealed sketches of the never-before-seen second wedding dress that was waiting in the wings as a backup should anything happen to the first wedding dress. And it's a little bit different. If you go to Hello, they have the exclusive. The sketches are incredible, and I think it's a little bit more pared down. It has less ruffles on the neck. Yeah, I felt that too. I really, really love it. I think she should have maybe gone with this one. No. Hot take. It's great. It's fun to see. And I'm so glad that they recovered the sketches. The dress is actually still missing. No one knows where it is. It's so fascinating. That's what they say. They have to know. They said it's in storage. They can't have lost that dress. Someone has it. What would that fetch? I know we have the sheep sweater coming up. Imagine. My high is just this tidbit from... Camilla's former daughter-in-law, Sarah Parker Bowles, on Lorraine about Granny Camilla. You know, Sarah is the ex of Tom Parker Bowles, the mom of Frederick, who's 13, and Lola, who's 16. She's also a fashion editor, but she revealed that Granny Camilla, as she called her, is kind of the best. She wants to know every single detail about the grandkids always and really works very hard to keep up. She also confirms that Camilla is jewelry obsessed and something she bonds with Lola over. It made me laugh after the great Kate jewelry debate last week where that podcaster was saying Camilla really appreciates gems. And there we got Sarah saying the same. Oh, confirmation from the family. I love that. I also love thinking about Granny Camilla. I don't know. She's probably like just she's so much fun. fun. Yeah. Yeah. Salty good fun. Salty good fun. Say. 
Just a reminder before we close, here is that royal review I shouted out at the top of the episode. It's really wonderful. They said, love this show. I'm always excited to see a new episode pop up in my list. I enjoy the modern perspective on work and lives of the royal family. I would love to have a royal refreshment with R&R and talk some more. Keep the episodes coming. I'll be listening for sure. That's from R. Chester George. Thank you so much. Oh. Let's make it four weeks in a row of great reviews. Yes, that we can and read cheers. We'd love to have a royal refreshment with you sometime. That sounds amazing. Reminder to subscribe so you never miss an episode. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast. And till next week, God, God save the pod. Her Majesties of Royally Obsessed have retired for this episode. God save the pod. And if you fancy the podcast, give Royally Obsessed the royal rating of five stars on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at Royally Obsessed Podcast and join our Facebook group, Royally Obsessed. Royally Obsessed is a gallery podcast production.